all good, okay. Um, a bit of a buzzing noise, but let's, uh, we'll just continue on. Um, uh, thank you for having me for the last uh, few weeks. Um, and uh, we come to the ending of uh, the book of Jonah. And the uh, ending of a story often makes or break uh, a tale. Um, so um, I thought I might, I might try something different um, uh, just to get you, see if you, you can guess this, okay? Uh, for the, these, this film, uh, what, what is the original ending, okay? Uh, do you know Pretty Woman? Pretty Woman, yes. Okay, what do you think was the uh, original ending for that? Uh, yeah, they don't get together. Uh, she goes back to prostitution, and he goes back to money and wealth. Uh, and then uh, that, that's, it, that's it. That's the end of story. <laughs> it's a depressing one. What about Men in Black 2? Men in Black. Do you know Men in Black? The, uh, the I can't remember. The, uh, Will Smith. Well, the final scenes where they have the the final scenes they had was uh, UFOs coming out of twin towers. Okay, but this was released after September 11, so it was too uh, sensitive. So they decided to cut that whole scene out and they changed to another tower. Uh, what about this other story? Have you heard of this um, show called um, movie called Dodgeball, the true underdog story? You heard of that one, Dodgeball? Uh, it's a it's, it's a uh, it's a story where there's a, this kind of loser team playing dodgeball. Um, and so the, uh, the, the ending of the story is basically, well, they, they lose. These underdogs lose the game, the final match. Uh, but everyone who watched this show was so angry at that because, no, underdogs shouldn't lose. They should win. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so dodgeball, the true underdog story, has the underdog winning, okay? Um, or the movie Australia, uh, the original ending had Hugh Jackman, uh, his character basically dies. Um, so it's not positive enough, that people didn't like that, and so they changed the ending of the movie. Now, if Jonah was a movie, uh, it, it, we had a really nice ending, okay? That was last time. That was in chapter 3, uh, at the end of chapter 3. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, uh, if you look at your know, Bibles, chapter 3, verse 10, God saw what they did, how they turned away from the evil ways. He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Roll credits, put up the song, the, 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 the soundtrack, turn it up, and it's finished. Everyone's happy. We go home, right? Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we are not going to be happy because we hear about the reverse. As we read chapter 4, it appears that things have turned, take the, took the turn for the worse because Jonah is angry. So look at chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, but to Jonah, uh, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. Uh, this is strange, uh, but it's going to explain to us in three reasons why, why this ending is wrong for Jonah. Um, not that the Bible is wrong, but that Jonah is in the wrong. He should not have been angry. Uh, first reason is because of God's character, uh, because of God's gift, because of God's, um, uh, God's pity. Okay? God's character, God's gifts, uh, God's pity. Um, the first rea- uh, Jonah should not have been angry because of God's character. He is gracious and compassionate. So verse 2, uh, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a generous and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Uh, God is described as gracious and compassionate. 
This is a well-worn phrase to describe the nature of God. In the book of Exodus, early on in Israel's history, uh, before the time of Jonah, when, when Israel uh, first knew God a little bit more intimately, when, when he dwelt with Israel in the tabernacle, Moses made a request. In Exodus 33, he sort of said, Lord, show me your glory. Show me who you are. And God said to Moses, look, I'm going to show you my goodness. I'm going to pass uh, by you. But although you can't see my face, uh, but I'll pass by so you can see my back. You can see who I am. Well, in Exodus 34, uh, God passes in front of Moses, uh, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Uh, this is the character of God. So in the end, Moses doesn't see God face to face. He doesn't, it's not so much that he sees God in the sense of physical sense. What's important is he sees God's character. God's character is that he is gracious and compassionate. And we can see finally this character of God in his son, uh, Jesus. When you check him, Jesus out, we see the same character of God in John chapter 1. Uh, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Uh, we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only God who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, this, is the, this is the key experience of the disciples uh, who knew Jesus. They saw grace in Jesus. They saw, and through that, they saw God. Uh, we will see this compassion in the way he looks at the, he treats the weak and the lost. Uh, we will see those things in Jesus' desire to forgive sins. Uh, it's so important, uh, gr uh, graciousness and compassion, it's so important to God that, he's, that He personally turns up and appears to mankind uh, and that he, that he dies for them. Um, it seems that this is the very nature of God that Jonah wants to run away from though. God does not want God to be, uh, sorry, Jonah does not want God to be gracious and compassionate. So verse 2 again. Isn't this why I, was still, I stayed at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Uh, and this, I think, is refers to, uh, to, the, to the repentance of the Ninevites. He is trying to forestall the repentance of the Ninevites. After three chapters, finally, we know the true, the true reason for Jonah's disobedience. Uh, it wasn't fear, you know, and uh, fear of God. It wasn't fear um, back in chapter 1. It wasn't uh, procrastination. We read about that in chapter 3. Uh, there was no repentance of Jonah in chapter 2. Um, he simply did not want them to be saved. This is because Nineveh was, a, was an enemy of the Jews. Nineveh was a dangerous nation in the past. Uh, it will eventually destroy the northern kingdom of Israel in the near distant future. Uh, and, you know, we shouldn't um, downplay that. It was tr a truly evil nation with a different culture, with different values. And Jonah did not want God to forgive the Ninevites. They were mortal enemies. Uh, like, uh, like uh, you know, what's happened in the Middle East where, where Sunni ISIS is fighting with uh, the, the, the Shiite minority. They're mortal enemies. Uh, it's a fight to the death. Uh, Christians caught in the middle. Uh, it's like the Palestinian uh, attacks on Israel. Uh, there's never going to be a treaty in Israel. Why? Uh, because one side wants the other side to be dead, to be driven into the sea. How can there be, ever be peace when uh, that's the way you think? They're mortal enemies. 
Uh, and so when bad things happen to that enemy, you rejoice. Uh, and when something good happens to your enemies, you, you boo and you, you jeer. Jonah wanted to see the Ninevites destroyed uh, for all its wickedness, for all its godliness, for all the harm it has caused, for all its rape, its war, its threats, uh, all that it did to Israel. Yet the strange thing is, God's offer of forgiveness is for all. Uh, salvation is for the Jews first, and then for the Gentiles, for those who are, who are not the traditional people of God. Uh, why is that? Why is the gospel for everyone? Well, it's because everyone sins. Uh, all, uh, God, salvation is for all because all are sinners. It doesn't matter what background or what culture, or what birth country, or what wealth, uh, all the different ways we want to differentiate ourselves in society. It doesn't matter who it is. God wants to forgive all sinners. God wants to forgive you. Uh, Jesus has paid for it all. And so therefore, it's free. Let us take advantage of this, no matter who you are. Uh, because some things in life are paid for. Uh, I live in Castle Hill. And one of, one of the things they do around Christmas time is they, they, they have this thing called the Castle Hill Light Show. Okay? Uh, uh, anyone else live in, in the Bochum Hillshire Council area? I'm not sure. No? No? Okay, that's all right. Uh, well, it's costing the, t the rate payers of, uh, around that Bochum Hills, uh, the Hillshire Council, $150,000 every year just to pay for that, okay? Uh, so it's, I think the contract's for three years, so $450,000, half a million dollars just to go for this light show. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's open to everyone. You don't have to live in the Hillshire Council. You can live out in Hornsby Shire Council, and you can go and watch it for free as well. Whether you're from... Liverpool, or you're a visitor from Hong Kong, whether you're young, whether you're old, uh, it's available to everyone, okay? So, so this Christmas, make sure you come and go visit. It's, it's on me, it's on the red player. I paid for it. Uh, it's for everybody, okay? It doesn't matter. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no discrimination here. Uh, so therefore, it's for our enemies as well, uh, that God would save nasty people, that God would save uh, our enemies, our, even our frenemies, okay? That's a term uh, invented lately. Um, and sometimes it might not just be our enemies, but also for people we can't really be bothered about. Annoying people, weak people, uninteresting people, awkward people. The gospel is also for them. Um, Christianity is not a club for insiders. Uh, while it does uh, stand for something, it is open for others to come and join it. Uh, and so, uh, so I wonder if there are groups of people out there uh, that uh, we, deep down, perhaps, you know, don't want them to be saved. People we really dislike. Uh, I don't think tolerating them is the answer. Uh, tolerance is, only goes so far. But I think our role is to go and persuade them, right, about the good news of Jesus. Uh, perhaps it's volunteering for, for ministries that is a little bit boring, it's not so interesting. You know, volunteering for the scripture teaching at the local public school. Um, that's a little boring. They're just a bunch of kids, you know. They don't know what they're doing, and they're noisy, and it's awkward. Well, but the gospel is also for them, is it not? Perhaps we should put some time into that as well if we can. Um, that was a problem with Jonah. 
he failed to see that salvation was for all. Uh, in verse 1, uh, literally he says there, uh, to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Uh, literally, it's, it was evil to Jonah, with great evil. Uh, he considered evil, that God would forgive evil. And as a result, he considered verse 3, that it would be better for him to just die than to live. Verse 3, now Lord, take away my life. It is better, it is good, but an evil, for me to die than to live. Um, the Ninevites, he thought, was so evil that it would be better to, uh, for him to die than to experience seeing God's grace upon them. But this is, this is, this is crazy talk, isn't it? This is, uh, uh, as someone phrased it, uh, man spat out of fish spits dummy. Uh, this is crazy. Why are you thinking of this? Jonah's prayer is modeled after the prayer in, uh, by Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Uh, when Elijah was, uh, was uh, fleeing from the evil uh, Jezebel, he sat down under a tree uh, and he prayed, uh, he, It is enough, O God. Take away my life, for I am not better than my, uh, than, uh, my father's. See, Elijah got really tired uh, from, from fighting evil. Uh, he's been calling on Israel to repent. And it's, it's been, you know, been calling evil King Ahab to, and his wicked wife Jezebel to repent. And it's been a constant struggle. He's tired. He's physically tired. He's been running around. Um, he's depressed. In his, uh, he's convinced that he will not succeed where his, ancest, uh, where his ancestors perhaps have su- uh, succeeded. Um, Jonah, by contrast, isn't depressed because of a long uh, slog, for, because of a long battle. By God's grace, Jonah has succeeded beyond all measure, all reasonable expectation. The whole city of Nineveh repents. Okay? Uh, the king all the way down to even his animals. Okay? Um, but yet, and, and, and Jonah did that on his first try with you know, that six words that he, that he proclaimed. It was amazing. But yet Jonah here is angry because he had not wanted to succeed. He had not wanted to save the Ninevites. He wanted to see God's, uh, God wreak vengeance on them. That is why he is angry. But is that right? Verse 4. Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Uh, and that question is to be answered. Is it right for God, uh, Jonah to be angry? No, it's not right. He was in the wrong because he misunderstood the character of God. The gospel is for all. Jonah is also wrong in a second area. He's wrong about the nature of God's grace. And so uh, verse 5, I think what happens here is, uh, I think it's actually a flashback. Uh, sort of takes you back in time a little bit. And it's uh, re- re- a bit like the, the fish uh, it recounts what, uh, uh, what happened in, in um, the prayer that he had. I don't think it necessarily has to be in the fish. It could be while he's drowning. Uh, we've got this kind of prayer going out. And I think uh, um, what Jonah does is he goes to the east of the city. After doing that one day's work, um, he's gone to the east of the city to see, to observe what will happen to the city. Verse 5, uh, there he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. It's a bit like New Year's Eve. Uh, Jonah books his spot on this little elevated place, uh, breaks out his lawn chair, uh, fix himself a cold drink, and stretches out. And he's waiting for the fireworks to start uh, over Nineveh. But God uses this event to teach Jonah about God's intention in the form of a plant. 
And so, verse 6, God provided a leafy plant, made it grow up over Jonah to give it shade over his head to ease his discomfort, uh, his, his, uh, his evil. Um, Jonah was very happy about the plant. Uh, verse 7, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it uh, withered. Uh, when the sun rose, God provided a, a, a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head. So he uh, grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. So it's kind of got this re- repeat uh, theme, isn't it? Um, now, there are a few things I don't quite get, like uh, why a plant is needed when he's already built a shelter. Uh, seems a bit redundant as well, the shelter, if it doesn't protect from the east wind. Um, and how should we, well, what are we supposed to learn from this? Is the plant supposed to be compared to the Ninevites? Or is Jonah supposed to be compared to the plant? Or is Jonah compared to the, the what's, what's the lesson here? Um, here are a couple of options, and I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it can be sort of, maybe it's all together. Uh, that's the, uh, the, the, the easy way out. Um, I wonder if perhaps this is an invitation for starters to compare Jonah's reaction to the plant uh, versus Jonah's reaction to the Ninevites. Uh, it's a sort of subjective comparison of Jonah uh, from Jonah's perspective. So we, we see support for that in verse 10. The Lord says, You have been concerned about this plant, but you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. So should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, where there's 120,000 people who cannot tell their right from their left and also many animals? Um, if Jonah could care for a plant that sprang up overnight and then died overnight, just this little thing, why not care about lives from the greatest to the least, human lives? If you can care for one plant, why not care for 120,000 people? Um, both sort of share you know, the attributes of being in God's creation. Um, uh, 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 both uh, Jonah has not tended, he has not been responsible for, that God has been responsible and has, has grown. And so if he can, in verse 6, be happy about the creation of the plant, then why is he in verse 9, be angry at the destruction uh, oh, sorry, if he's happy about the creation of plan verse 6 and angry at the destruction of plan verse 9, then why not be also happy at the creation of the Israel, uh, Ninevites and be saddened by the potential destruction of the Ninevites? Um, so, so if you can be sad about plants, why not be sad about people? Uh, and another way to read this also uh, from the uh, uh, objective comparison, from God's perspective, what God does for the Ninevites as opposed to what God does for Jonah through the plant. Uh, in fact, the plant uh, literally has the, the letters of Jonah in, in it, okay? Uh, sort of uh, J-N, okay, in there. So um, we're trying to figure out, oh, maybe the plant's supposed to be like, like Jonah. Um, God has raised this plant out of nowhere and looked after it. Well, God has raised Jonah up, rescued Jonah from evil, right? Uh, and so to... Uh, uh, so just as God saves it, saves the, the wants to save the city, so why can't, just as God saves Jonah, why can't he, sh- he save also the Ninevites? Uh, if Jonah is happy to, be, to benefit from uh, undivine, div- uh, unmerited divine grace, then why does he begrudge the Ninevites also getting it? Why be angry at God's grace at the Ninevites? So it sort of puts Jonah in a Ninevite's shoes, to evaluate whether his anger is justified. Um, 
and, and Jonah here is being very selfish. Uh, verses 2 to 3, there's lots of just all those words, I, my, I would rather die. Uh, but, but our life is not ours. It is saved for a reason. It is saved for other people. This is not just a problem for Jonah, but it's a problem for the Jews in general, the ancient Jews. Uh, in Matthew 12, verse 38, there's uh, the, the, time, the only time sort of when Jonah is mentioned in the New Testament. It says this, The men of Nineveh will stand up on the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. But now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. Uh, that is, with the coming of Jesus, God's plan for salvation is complete. The Gentiles, these non-Jews, are being saved. Uh, you know, the, the queen of the south, this Gentile queen of the south is coming in to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Just like, you know, in the old days, it's happening again. Yet, the Jews were unwilling to get with the program. They were preoccupied with their rituals, their self-interest, their own purity. They didn't put the needs of the unbelievers uh, first. Um, Jesus says, forgive, but the teachers of the law said, no, they are not Jews. And so these Gentiles, these Ninevites, this, this queen of the south, uh, they are going to, the God's going to bypass the Jews. He's going to go save them. And then they are going to rise up on Judgment Day, and they're going to condemn the Jews. The Jews will now miss out. On salvation. Um, it was a shame that Jonah and the Jews failed to show to others what God had shown to them, that he was a gracious and compassionate God, that he had saved Israel, he had saved Jonah. Um, when I was in a year, when I was in primary school in year six, I wanted to be a, a prefect at my school. And back in Malaysia those days, these positions were, were just appointed. The teacher decides, oh, I hear five of you. Okay, all right, you go and be a prefect. Um, and I, I missed out, and I was really disappointed about that. Uh, but my mother suggested, uh, my, my, my tiger mom, okay, uh, suggested that I go and do something crazy. Why don't you just go visit the principal and ask for it? Okay. Uh, so I, I got a bit of nerve. I, I went to see the principal and I said, hello, sir. I think I should be a prefect. Please make me one. Uh, and amazingly, um, he bought it, and I became a prefect. I was stoked. I was happy. Uh, he gave me a little badge, and I could wear it, and I had all these duties, and I, 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 I was so happy. I told my best, my best friend about it. And you know what my best friend did? Who wasn't a prefect? You know what my best friend did? He went to the principal, and then he asked him if he could become a prefect. And he did. And I was so angry at him. Here I found a solution. I figured out how to do this thing. And I, I was happy. I told him about it. And, and he went and got it. I can't believe it. I was jealous for him, wasn't I, against him. So instead of sharing in joy that he was just as lucky as me, I begrudged him. He used my trick. He got this thing that I, only I deserve. But why should I have been angry? Uh, sometimes I wonder if that's what stops us from evangelism. Just maybe uh, just too self-centered. We just want it for ourselves. And uh, thinking about our experience, but not thinking about it for, in terms of others. It's good for me, but you know, maybe it's not good for them. 
to think foolishly that just because someone else has it, that it would somehow devalue what I have. Can't we all rejoice at all of our free unmerited gift from God and be grateful? We have now an obligation to share this great news with others, not selfishly hold it uh, upon to ourselves or only to our friends. Uh, this is the motivation for serving, for evangelism, out of gratefulness for what God has done for each one of us. And so we want to now pass it on to others, whether it's, uh, and, and you know, that takes a bit of sacrifice, whether it's giving our time or wealth or giving our career sometimes. Um, those of us who have been forgiven much, much is expected of us. Well, here's a last reason why Jonah uh, shouldn't be angry, uh, why he was angry. I think he's, he seemed to have just forgotten the love of God. Verse 11. Uh, verse 11. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? See, it's God is showing concern, showing pity, right? Showing sort of go, I feel for these guys. 120,000, look at that number. And they can't tell their right hand from their left. They, they're ignorant. They can't tell from right or from wrong. Um, and also, what about, all, you know, if you, if, you, uh, if you don't care about the people, what about the animals? You know, all these animals are going to die. Now, I'm not sure if animals go to, go to heaven. Uh, Isaiah 11 talks about animals in heaven, but I'm not sure if that's going to include your personal pet. Um, but the point is, we, don't, we pity animals, right? I mean, Mike Baird is bringing up a whole legislation, and he's going to destroy a whole industry, $300 million industry, because he cares about dogs, okay? We care about animals. Uh, we, we pity plants, even. Uh, there was a New York Times magazine that said, Sorry, vegans, Brussels sprouts like to live too. So plants feel pain, so, so don't, don't hurt them. Um, we look at the world and we, we pity the barrier reef. You know, we care that it's bleaching or whatever it is. Uh, we, we pity the environment and, and the climate and go, oh, poor thing. You know, we care for you. Uh, you know, I'm so sad this is happening. Now, I'm not saying those things are not important, but I'm just saying, what's the scale here? If we can care about all these things, that we put our energy and money and all that stuff in that, why don't we pity people? Why don't we pity, why don't we pity the loss? Not just 120,000 people, but the world, the billions dying each day who do not know anything about the Lord Jesus. They do not know what is right. They do not know what is left behind. Our school friends, uni friends, work colleagues, everyone, all young children, these people who blindly are walking ignorantly into eternal judgment because uh, they're ignorant, they don't know. And we who can help them are too preoccupied with perhaps our own agendas. Perhaps we hold a gripe against someone because we find it awkward to raise certain things with strangers. Um, friends, what is stopping us from telling the world? Now, I'm sure you, uh, you, 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 you guys are not like that. I'm sure you guys are not like Jonah. I'm sure you do try in your own ways to help and volunteer. Um, all I can say is, let's keep doing that. Let's keep doing that more and more um, because the world needs, it, needs you. Okay? Let's aim to reach 
more and more people, and it's great that there's a, that's a church that meets up here in this building. Well, use this as a center to somehow reach people. Uh, and maybe there are other things that you volunteer in and in the schools. Well, use those to reach out to more people. Uh, you all are in your own homes. Well, and you've got neighbors around you. Well, go and use that home and go and reach out to people around you. And each of you are in your own workplace as well. Use that as an opportunity to go and speak to people. Um, was it right for Jonah to be angry? Well, at the end of this book, the answer is no. was not right. It was not right. It was not right that he thought the gospel was exclusive. Uh, it's not. It is open to all. It was not right that he was ungrateful. No, we are lovingly uh, been saved by Jesus, and so we pass that on to others. And no, it was not right that he didn't care about the loss. Our hearts are to imitate God's graciousness and compassionate nature. And so we also, like him, seek uh, to save the lost by the proclamation of his word. Um, thanks for having me the last few weeks. I hope that's a bit of encouragement to uh, serve the Lord. And I'm going to uh, pray for God's help to do that. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that, your, that the Son of God was slain for us. And so I'm in gratefulness. Help us to proclaim this good news to others. We pray, I pray for my brothers and sisters here uh, that they will be able to do that, that they will look for opportunities wherever they can just plant a seed to share their lives, to be a great witness uh, to this loving Jesus who died for us. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to thank uh, Kenny for uh, sharing uh, Jonah with us uh, the last four weeks. Uh, thank you for your, your message to us. And uh, it gives us great, a great chance now to respond to God's word by singing our next hymn, The Church's One Foundation. <laughs>